Good evening, good evening. Good to see you here tonight. Come on in, find your seats. We're so glad that you've joined us. If this is your first time in person and uh, you haven't been able to stop by our Welcome Center, please do. We have a gift for you and we'll like to just get some information from you. If you're joining us online for the first time, you can go to sbtindy.org connect and we can uh, connect with you as well. Just a few announcements. We'll fly through them quickly because we've got a lot uh, going on tonight. Uh, so, Mr. Barber is, there we go. You can go to the next one, Mr. Barber. One more, I think it's a yes, right? So tomorrow night starts our SBI, and uh, there's just one class tomorrow night. Pastor will be speaking on uh, what is addiction uh, from a pastor's perspective, so you can come out to that. Pastor, you know where that class will be at? Uh, Pastor Ray, John Ray, do you know where that class will be at tomorrow night? Uh, All right, so Fellowship Hall, you can come there. You don't have to sign up, you can just show up. And then a week from Monday, there's two classes. Uh, Dr. Robinson is going to talk about a a doctor's perspective. He's got a lot of data and statistics on that. And he wanted me to let you know that's open for teenagers and up. So teenagers, college students, um, parents, and yes, uh, for all of them. Uh, yes, that's correct, for all of them. And then uh, what is a servant, what is a teacher is kind of our ministry classes that we're offering. If you're teaching or want to be involved in teaching, um, I think Pastor will be running that one um, as well, kind of just what we are looking for and how to be a part of that. So uh, come on out um, if you're able to those. And I think they'll be a good blessing to, uh, to you. Then this weekend, looking forward to this. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. And a few more of you signed up today. There's still room if you'd like to sign up. You have it till Wednesday. You can do it back there online. But Dr. and Pastor Craig Keck and uh, uh, Laura is coming to be with us. And it'll be Friday night, 7 to 9, Saturday morning, 9 to noon. If you come to all of it, great. If you only come Friday night or Saturday, uh, that's no problem. It'll be right in our fellowship hall. We'll have... Uh, a bunch of stuff to give to you. Uh, we'll have um, probably a coffee bar in the morning, some snacks in the evening, and uh, just a lot of good stuff with that. So you can still sign up. Love for you to come and uh, be a part of that. Then our missionaries of the week, as you heard this morning, is Joseph and Abby Hodges. We just started supporting them uh, about a year or so ago, and uh, they're doing a great job in Honduras. Uh, they're needing a bus, as you heard this morning, but they're just reaching people, and uh, the church building is getting packed. And uh, so pray for them this week. And I know that would be a blessing to them. So let's stand. We'll actually start our service off with a word of prayer. And then Pastor Brett will come and uh, lead us in a song. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being so good and gracious to us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together tonight and sing praises to you. And uh, hear about uh, Pastor Counterman's ministry uh, that he has. And hear from um, Mr. Tolls as he brings the word. Lord, pray for the Hodges as they're serving you in Honduras, Lord. And you're blessing that ministry. Lord, please uh, provide the right bus for them and the other needs uh, that they have because of their growth. And I pray that everything we say and do and sing tonight will honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Remain standing. All right, we're going to sing tonight about how great our God is. And so we're going to sing two songs, beginning with You Are the Christ, and we'll sing all four verses of this. In the beginning, in the form of God,
Amen. You may be seated. Birthdays and anniversaries. We're kind of going to go back to the way we used to do this. Uh, we had some uh, concerns that maybe we're putting a lot of information online, first, last names, birth dates, anniversaries, uh, and people are seeing. So we're just going to let you do it from the floor, all right? So if you're out there and you want to be recognized, you're going to have to text me, and you're going to have to text me quick because if it's after I step down, I don't usually get back up and do this. Having said that, last week we did have an anniversary, and uh, so Tim and Nancy, uh, they had an anniversary, and they didn't, we didn't know the uh, years, so they had texted it in, 59 years, and they gave the secret to 59 years, if I can find that text. There ought to be a way to, to do texting better than this, right? Uh, anyway, it said something like, oh, I'm going to mess it up, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> so Dan said you can't see eye to eye, which it happens to be true because Miss Nancy's four foot nine, uh, but uh, that wasn't what it said. So, uh, oh, let's see, go to last Sunday. That's the easiest way to start it and see if I can find it here. I understand. I tried that. It didn't work. I, I really am not that uh, challenged. Okay, it says, just lots of prayer, patience, and forgiveness, all right? So uh, that uh, will help us out there. Brandon, you just texted me. What would you say, Brandon? Uh, how long have you been? Oh, read the text above it. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, uh, I was, Aunt Brett's, or, uh, he's trying to show that I am challenged techno technologically. So, Brandon was going to pick me up at the airport whenever I went back. Was that India? Coming back from India? And so I texted him and said, I hear you are my bride coming from the airport. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brandon, yes. All right, so let's see what we have in the way of birthdays and anniversaries today, because one that would not have made it to our list is sitting here, I know, Miss Diana, has a birthday today. Wow, happy birthday to you. How long have you known the Lord as your Savior? 50-some years. Praise the Lord. Yeah, amen. That's exciting. So birthdays or anniversaries, you've got to slip your hand up or point somebody out. Robert had a birthday. When's your birthday? The fifth. The fifth. And how long have you known the Lord as your Savior? 30 years, all right. Miss Jean, birthday, anniversary? Renee, our daughter. Yes. Okay, Renee's birthday was yesterday. Is she watching? Yes. Renee, happy birthday to you, all right. Mom outed you. <laughs> and anyone else? Miss Carolyn? Miss Carol? Birthday? Yes. When was it? The ninth. The ninth? And how long have you known the Lord as your Savior? Since I was nine. Since you're nine? Good answer. <laughs> Since I was nine. And John had a birthday when? Uh, September 7th. The 7th. And how long have you done Lord your Savior? Uh, 42 years. 42 years. Amen. Anyone else? Birthdays? How about anniversaries? Any anniversaries represented out here? Julie Ruley's in the birthday. Julie Ruley, happy birthday to you. In about 20 seconds, she's going to hear that. And uh, so we can say something about her right now because she'll never know. <laughs> about a 20-second delay to get to the nursery. It's really weird if you've ever walked from back there and you've heard somebody's, or actually if you're walking from here and you hear somebody saying something, you walk back there and you hear them saying it again. It's like, okay, that's just the way it is. 
So uh, I don't know how long Julie Ruley has known the Lord, but we could guess, let's see, 78 years? No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> Liz, you're raising your hand? Your anniversary was how many years? Two. Well, and while I've got you guys right here, Liz and Francis would like to join the church. She'd also like to have her baby, which was due last Wednesday, right? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, didn't happen. But uh, so uh, they, we met with them this morning. So Ms. Liz, have you trusted Christ your Savior? And if you die right now, you know you go to heaven. Amen. Francis, have you trusted Christ your Savior? If you die right now, you know you go to heaven. Yes. Amen. And they would like to join our church, and they need to follow the Lord in believers' baptism, but we would like to uh, get them baptized and let that happen. So all those in favor of accepting them into the membership upon baptism, let me know, raise your hand. Oppose, same sign. You're in. All right. Praise the Lord. That's exciting. So uh, anybody else, birthdays or anniversaries? Oh, Miss Carol. Uh, yesterday was Shirley Paris. Today was Norm Green. Shirley Paris was yesterday. Today was Norm Green. So... Uh, they're neither one here, but they may be watching. Happy birthday to you folks. John? It was also Abby's birthday on the 7th. It was Abby's birthday, and she's not here on the 7th. So uh, Abby's birthday was on the 7th as well, 28. And I couldn't tell you exactly how many years she's known the Lord, but I'm going to say it's about 18, 19. But I'll have to have her tell you that. Yep. John Dice was the sixth, so okay, we're being called out that way. So. All right, well, let's... Who's hers was the fourth? You talking about Kelly? <laughs> Miss Kelly was the fourth, which was last week. She's like, I missed it last week on purpose. No, that's not true. They were, they were out of town last week. So, Miss Kelly, how long have you known the Lord as your Savior? <laughs> yes, we are going to make you do it. Okay, so you're five or six, you're 51, so 46 years-ish, yep, okay. It gets worse the older you get, let me tell you. <laughs> All right, anyone else? Miss Vicki? 56 years you've known the Lord as your Savior? Praise the Lord, amen. On the 10th, yesterday. Well, let's sing happy birthday to these young people and the anniversary, kind of simultaneous. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, God bless you, happy birthday to you. And the Hope in Christ ministry is meeting. Did we get that one announced? That's meeting tonight right after the service over here in the fellowship hall. All right, so uh, make sure that you know that. David, come on up. Before you do, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our missionary because he'll be coming right up next after this. So pastor, or not pastor anymore, but Andrew Counterman uh, is a missionary to the Latin American uh, countries and he'll be able to tell you all about it, but it's an exciting ministry and I think that you'll enjoy hearing about that. And then later after that, because I'm not going to get up here again, uh, Phil Tolles be preaching after the special. Brother Phil, you'll come right on up and just take it from there. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 
and beginning in verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. May the Lord sanctify us through his word. You may be seated. Pastor, thank you very much for letting me come and present our ministry to you. I have a four-minute video. It's going to be a summary of what we do, and I'll go right into a PowerPoint after that. And I think that we can lay out our ministry within that time block. Hola. Your journey starts now. Just south of our border is an amazing world that needs the gospel. Beam Latin America has a wonderful program for those who would like to diversify their opportunities in this good news expedition. This mission's journey was set in motion by the Apostle Paul. Many of us are familiar with this activation of our Lord's command and that we are to be great commissional Christians. Beam Latin America still believes this model works. This means evangelism, making disciples, assembling believers into local churches, and repeating the process from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. Missions has a very specific biblical purpose, evangelization that produces churches. Paul evangelized. Acts 13.49 says, And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Paul saw churches started. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Acts 14.23 This resulted with churches in Rome, Corinth, Galatia, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, and Thessalonica. The journey expanded throughout all Asia and Europe. Paul capitalized on this clear vision by training pastors, his seminary on the road. These trained men were ready to minister in the churches that were started. With great commissional obedience, Paul's three missionary journeys, came great expansion of the gospel. By the 15th century, we saw the journey expand to the new world, the Americas. This expansion brought souls saved, church starts, and biblical training throughout the world. The journey is about to go full circle in many parts of the world. The time is ripe for the expertise of BEAM. Where can our journey take us? We have opportunities in Brazil, Bolivia, Chile, Mexico, Puerto Rico, Ecuador, Argentina, Honduras, and other countries in South America. Many graduates would be overjoyed to receive a two-year window of support to plan a new church. These are men who live without in order to get an education who already know the language and can travel freely throughout the nations of Latin America. We can clearly see an advantage in investing in a national graduate 
versus an American graduate. In the time it takes one new American missionary to get his first church established, we could start about 16 churches under national pastors. Remembering that the national does not need deputation, language school, nor cultural adjustment. He is ready to go, ready to serve, ready and trained for church starting. This diversification of our mission's dollars can prove to be very effective. This is not to say that we stop praying for and sending Americans to the field, but pioneer missions work is just a small window at the beginning of the timeline in this biblical journey. Touching lives we could never reach. Constructing church buildings under harsh conditions. Yielding much fruit as the journey continues. Would you pray? Would you partner? Would you put your feet into motion? And join our journey. Not just where we've been, but where we're going. To summarize, we work with nationals that have already gone through their education, that are very burdened for their own people. We work with them. We recruit them from schools. We talk to their professors. We get very well-vetted men to go out and start churches. We underwrite them for two years. That's everything they need. And with that in mind, we've had a tremendously good success rate. Um, I have a PowerPoint. I'm going to whip through it really quick. Uh, and as soon as that, nope. Nope. <laughs> That's okay. Anyway, uh, okay, we're good. Yeah. So the PowerPoint, Prudence, Stewardship, and Missions, we showed you, tried to show you the reality of need, and I'll show that to you very, very, very quickly. But clearly we're in the business of designing to equip called, trained, and recommended national pastors with the support they need for two years. They establish independent Baptist churches in the land of their language and culture. And we, we make sure that they are of the stripe that we could wholeheartedly support. 21st Century Missions, uh, just a couple of books just to support some of this. Luke 19, verses 12 and following, it's a section of stewardship. Occupy till I come, God's command, he is going to hold us accountable. That stewardship drives a whole lot of what we do and how we think. There are great declines in available missionaries and church starters. Matter of fact, here in the States, there's a great decline of available pastors. Most of the pastors that I run into that are my age wanting to retire are saying, do you know any good, solid young men? We have schools closing. We have seminaries closing. I, you know that routine. Folks, we are in a bit of a dearth right now, and we're going backwards. Matter of fact, I have some data from... Um, some of the, did I hit the wrong way? Yes. Here we go. What am I doing? You have to be smarter than the controller to do this ministry. I thought that was 21st. Yep, Luke 19. Again, here we go. Some of the data from some of the major missionary agencies are, are giving reasons for the decline and reasons for some of the uh, need uh, to supply alternatives. 
ways that we can address the dirt that's out there. These are just some of the reasons that people are coming off of the field. This isn't my information. It's another mission agency, very well known and very large. But you can see that half, of, about a fifth of them don't make it past deputation, what they call pre-field. And the data that we're getting, I'm sorry, the data that we're getting is showing that about half of those that start out never make it to the second term. And we view that as a real opening and a real problem that we want to solve. I won't spend a lot more time, but this is data 2007 to 2018, and we're coming up 114 missionaries are more are coming off the field than are going onto the field through that agency. And that just gives you a taste of why BEAM is there. Our present dilemma, too many pastors and missionaries retiring or resigning, too few men training to replace those retiring or resigning. The, admit, the admonishment of the Lord Jesus, when he says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he sends laborers into the harvest, we need to dedicate our young men and our young women to full-time service for the Lord Jesus Christ. That ought to be the premier dedication, the primary thing that we would encourage them to at least seek the Lord about. And I fear that, fear that too many are not. Uh, one of the books mentioned earlier, The Vanishing Ministry by Woodrow Kroll, goes into a whole exposition on this dilemma, and he saw it coming in 1990. And believe it or not, folks, it's here today. So. Uh, struggling retention rate, we talked about that because countries are closed or expelling North Americans. Many are believing that within the next 10 years, 50 countries are going to expel North American missionaries. The United States is not the favored nation in the world today. That's just a fact. And the National Church ch uh, planter who is the called, trained, and recommended, the accountable man, is an answer to this present dearth drought, if you want to go that way. Here's what we do. Our main function is to direct local church funds directly to a called, trained, recommended national church starter. And we do it for two years. It's a two-year process, and it's done. They know it. That's the contract that we go into, and they're able to do it. We have about a 90% success rate, 90-plus percent success rate in producing autonomous churches on the field. And there are other services that we do as sidelines, but uh, Bibles, children's camps, humanitarian medical aid. So here are the questions, and this is what we pose to those churches that we go to. What if? What if our investment in missions dollars could eliminate much of the time, the cost, and reduce the dropout rate? What if we could go right to the trained national church starter? Would that be something to entertain? We say absolutely. So we eliminate those things. We do the fundraising. We get partners in investing in these guys, and they are turned loose to do the evangelism, the organization, the church, for two years. So there are global areas where it can happen. This model does not fit everywhere. We go in Latin America because we've been there so long. And because there are so many schools that are available to supply us with really, really good talent and commitment from these young men. And we are very clearly directed towards church starting. That is it. That's what we do. So the position, 
the supporting churches are in is to make a decision to invest in this opportunity. And an opportunity it is. Right now we have 18 men we are supporting presently. That's 18 churches that are being started as I speak now. And that's with the national pastor. The cost range per month is between $1,900 and, well, nine to $1,900. It translates into about 14. The video said 16. We've reduced it to 14 national church starters for one North American church starter. How it works, we get a core of advisors. I go down to Latin America, I go to these schools, and I recruit from North American missionaries, from uh, professors of the school. If they like what we're doing, and I have a 100% success rate with this, then they recommend the best of their graduates. We recruit them, and we underwrite them. I, I have to get the support. That's what I do. That's why I'm here. To say, hey, here's an opportunity for you if you should choose to use it. And uh, we recruit churches to partner and underwrite these guys. So we go to Baptist schools. We use Baptist pastors, advisors, professors. And this is the first layer of accountability for foreign support. If these guys go bad, we have eyes that have seen them for years of study. Eyes that will follow them where they go. So on the field, we have plenty that want to see this work successfully. We communicate with our advisors on the ground. And this uh, allows us to vet them through their eyes. Accountability, we use established Baptist colleges in Latin America. We have advisors who work with the students for years. We use the best recommended graduates from these schools. We use local churches in the geographic area that are giving at least 10%, actually 10% of the church starters support. We want skin in the game from the nationals. Okay, this isn't just a, an underwriting and a, a, a vacation for two years. We want them to have some skin in the game, and they are good at supporting, encouraging, actually giving them people and making it a success. We provide financial accountability through Central Missionary Clearinghouse. We provide monthly reports. That's what's back on our table. Here, here's what it looks like, okay? And that's to the churches and anyone that wants them. And we have a board of directors who are active in activities of the mission. They oversee what I do. And I have a minute yet, brother. I'm keeping track. Okay, expansion. Uh, we have, we're presently in eight colleges. That seven has just moved to eight as sources for church starters. We have at least three more we're looking at, and that is true. And presently, we're supporting 13 full-time church starters. Uh, that has grown to 18 since this slide was made. And we have five men in the pipeline, and we have resources right now ready to take on three more, possibly four more. So we still have some extra guys out there that need support. But this is where this ministry is going. People see it, they view it, and they see the benefit of it. That is BEAM in a nutshell. Let me see what else I have because I have to get to question and answers. We're looking for partners. Part of that 900 to 1900. Some churches take on the full boat. Some churches take on a part. I group them together until we have adequate funds and then we go and we do it. Not just where we've been, but where we're going. Thank you for your time and consideration. This next sentence is very important and I'm out of time. 
This might well be the best investment of missions dollars one's able to make. It uses the best of the resources available to complete the greatest task set before us. It just makes sense. Do you have questions? Yes. Yes. A lot of your major mission agencies, too, that these guys, our North Americans come through, don't allow this kind of a, an activity. Everything has to go through a missionary. Uh, so they're really restricted to how much they can do and how, you know, how many men they can support. Where we have, this is our total missionary, uh, mission uh, uh, philosophy. So this is what we do. So we can make this thing as big as it can go. And, and that's what we're asking God to do with us. Do you have questions? Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, so do, do you, just, just so I can uh, get an idea, do you ask for monthly support or do you go to the church where you have a guide and say this is what we need? I, I, I am proactive. I go and get as much money coming in as we can. And then my task is to get the guys, the good guys qualified to uh, underwrite. And I can go to them and say, I have money. Like right now, I have, like I said, I have two billets absolute and I have two billets I'm waiting for church votes on. I have four billets. I have four or five guys that are in the application stage that we've gotten that far, so they have to get approved. As soon as that happens, we, we take them on. They're, they're, they start. So to have monies coming in to build up a billet, enough for a billet. I, I'm using that word. I don't mean it in any way or shape or form derogatorily, but... The ability that we, we have a very good stream coming in, and we're going to open up two more countries this year. Again, we're in eight countries. We're going to open up two more, Lord willing, this year, and I don't know what that's going to bring. So the potential is there. It's the resources. It's always, you know, up until this year, it's always been the resources lagging behind. This year, they're ahead of me a little bit. Praise the Lord, you know. But um, we're excited about what God's doing with that. Did that answer your question? Okay. Yes, sir. Are you raising personal support or just for the ministry? My support level is at about 85%, and I am taken care of. So unless someone wants to do something with me, everything, everything but some, some monies for the, the logistics, everything goes to them. And it's never taken out of their needs. It's always above their needs. So I don't know how to how to say it. I mean, it costs money to, to print and send and, you know, to, I mean, there are some monies involved in, in a uh, mission agency, but we don't have a building to pay for. Our overhead is minimal. So 
I live off of mainly love offerings and uh, a couple of people that have thrown some money to me. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 some of the contractual elements that we work with is that the missionary lives in the middle income of his of his area and just a little bit above it. So he can reach up and he can reach down and he's not looked upon as a as a pulp or a beggar. But he's not gonna live <coughs> like the highest class person in his or his town. And we are asking them to go to larger areas too, larger towns, so they can build a church that can support others and go out from there. And I think that's a, a Pauline model. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes, sir. Some of the nationals that you do have, you're asking them to make a full-time commitment, or are they working and full-time commitment? That's the deal. They have to be full-time, and uh, they they have to garner that ten percent. That's part of what we've enacted. It's actually a change we've made this year because we want skin in the game from the national churches. And then it produces that support locally that they can help and they, they, they make sure that they, they can, quote, unquote, make sure of success as much as anything. They're there. They're invested. And after two years, you're thinking they will be self-supporting Not only am I thinking, about 90% are. Yeah. And that's why it's important that they work in that middle area of economy for the people groups that they're working with. So they get 10 people that are tithing, there's their support. Or 11 people or 12 people, there's their support. They get another 10 or 12, um, there's the church building. But we wanna make sure that that pastor is taken care of first. They can meet out in the street or under a tent. And they do, by the way. They're willing to do that stuff. Are there other questions? Yes, ma'am. After the two years, do you monitor five years later, ten years later? Make yeah, actually, you know, I'm glad you asked that. In, in this, which one is it? One of these on the back. I'm just going to show you an example of this. Where is he? Um, one of our guys is getting ready to do a, uh, a program, a building program. Yeah, here it is. Uh, this one, this is our August newsletter. It's out on the table. This guy right here, Javier, is uh, in the Cusco area. He's getting ready to build a church. They're buying land. We have helped him with a project. Their church is registered, so everything goes to the church. It's not in a person's name. It's in the church's name. That's hugely important. We talked about that, Pastor and I. And they're ready to get land and start building their own building. Uh, we've been doing a program over the last three months of asking people to buy a square meter of property uh, for $50 and then group the $50 square meters into this parcel of land. So uh, that's something that we're doing for him. But we're following some of the past folk and we'll, we'll highlight some of the past men in, the, in our, in our uh, newsletter. A matter of fact, on the back of this, and again, it's our August, it's out there. We're listing several of the men that we have. I think we have 16 of them listed of the 18 that we're presently supporting. So we're trying to be extremely transparent. We're trying to give you names of people and places that this is going. And a lot of churches say, well, we want, to, um, we want a name of a guy in a place, and we say amen. So 
that's all good. It's all good. Did I answer your question? Okay. Ha uh ha. -huh. They weren't as long as you thought. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much for the opportunity to present to you. I appreciate it very much. Stop by our table. We have some stuff back there we'd be glad to share with you. And uh, some things for you. Yeah, they'll be out at the table after if you have any more questions or if you want to see some of the reports or anything that's given there. So go ahead and stand with us. And uh, we will sing our hymn of the month. We'll just sing the chorus, first, second verse, and then the chorus. And then we'll hear from you. <laughs> shout, shout out for joy to God all the
you were having trouble with the clicker. I'm having trouble with this thing. <laughs> At the church where I pastor in Pennsylvania, I have a single ear. This is a double. As soon as he handed it to me, I had to go to the bathroom, get into the mirror and say, how do you put this thing on? I came to John and I said, if I get this on right, if this is any indication of double barrel, we're in trouble. Just so you understand. Well, for those of you who don't know me, every time I come here, there's new people. That is a blessing and a half, and I'm so thrilled to see it. Um, my mom and dad were members here for a number of years. Uh, dad died just a couple of years ago, and we miss him terribly. But I'm his youngest son. John called me Max on Wednesday night. No, I'm Phil. But anyway, I've been pastoring for 38 plus years, and I'm very thankful to be here. And I enjoy preaching the Word of God. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles, please, and to turn. By the way, how much time do I have? Half an hour. You're killing me. Anyway, all right. Matthew chapter number four. Matthew chapter number four. As we're coming into this, there's two things that I want to stress upon you before we get into this message. Number one, this is dealing with the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ by Satan. This is recorded in both in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter number 4. We need to see the seriousness and the necessity of this moment in Matthew chapter number 4. This is highly important. And I want to ask you, if you would please, tonight, when... <laughs> have you all got your Bibles tonight? Okay, please. Follow with me, because I'm going to be laying a foundation, and I'm working toward a point at the end of the message. So let's go to Matthew chapter number 4. Let's begin in verse number 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. This was of God. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered 
unto him. Fathers, we come tonight, we, we come to this passage, very important, very strategic, something that had to take place. And I pray, Father, that through this speaker tonight, Lord, that you would grant the clarity, the understanding, the teaching of the Word of God, and Lord, that you may use it to your honor and glory. May we uplift the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. May we honor him. And I would ask, Father, again, that you would help me to step out of the way that I may be no more than an instrument and a vessel in your hands. Thank you, Father, again for all that you have done for us. Guide us now, and we ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Now, brother, where is the clock? 6.49 p.m. We're going to do our best. All right, here we go. I want you to notice, coming into the book of Matthew, chapter number 4, something takes place. In Matthew, chapter number 3, the Lord Jesus Christ has been baptized by John the Baptist. The Spirit of God comes upon him, and the very first thing that happens in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God for the purpose of being tempted by Satan. Why is this taking place? When you come into Matthew chapter number 5, you have the Lord Jesus Christ on a mountainside with people teaching them the Word of God and the principles that have been so corrupted. But why is this passage here? And it is a very important passage of Scripture, and we need to understand the strength and even the victory that is taking place here in Matthew chapter number 4. Now I want to lay out a little bit of a foundation for you so that you understand what is taking place. In the book of Matthew, we need to understand that Jesus Christ is portrayed as the king of the Jews. When you read into the book of Matthew, you have much Jewish thinking that is there. And he is portrayed king of the Jews, king of the Jews, king of the Jews. His kingdom was rejected by the nation of Israel, but he is still the king of the Jews. When you come to the book of Mark, he is portrayed as the perfect servant of God. When you come to the book of Luke, you have the perfect man, Luke being a physician, writing about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the perfect man. But when you come to the book of John, he is portrayed as the very Son of God. It's interesting, in the book of John, there's no genealogy. Why? He's the Son of God, eternal forever. But when you come back to the book of Matthew, I want you to see this. When you have in the first 12, 13 chapters of Matthew, you have the proof of his reality as being the king. Now let me lay this out for you. If any of you are taking notes, I want you to follow with this. This is a great outline in the book of Matthew. In chapter number 1, we have Christ's legal right to the throne. 
He was born in the right lineage. Queen Elizabeth has died after all these years, and Prince Charles immediately became the king. Now, why is that? Well, he's a Windsor. He's in the lineage. The Lord Jesus Christ was in a very specific lineage. Coming from Abraham all the way down through Ruth, all the way down to David, all the way down to Joseph. He was of the right lineage. He is the king. He is legal. This is his legal right to the throne. When you come to Matthew chapter number 2, we have Christ's divine right to the throne. He was born in the right place. He was born in Bethlehem, just exactly as the scriptures in Micah said he would be. He has a legal, a, yeah, a legal, I have it in my notes here, all right, royal right to the throne. When you come to chapter number three, you have his divine right to the throne. When Jesus was baptized, the Father spoke to all the people and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He's got a divine right to the throne. When you come to Matthew chapter number 4, where we are tonight, he has a moral right to the throne. Now stay with me. He was tempted by Satan, and Jesus won. He's got a moral right to the throne. Chapters 5, 6, and 7, he has a judicial right to the throne. He has the authority, the power to be able to interpret the law. When he was standing and talking to the people, he said, you have heard that it had been said, but I say unto you. You have heard that it has been said, but I say unto you. And when he finished the Sermon on the Mount, the people were astonished because he spoke with authority, which the Pharisees did not. They were amazed. When you come to chapters 8, 9, and 10, you have his, and why did I just go blank? They tell me it's old age. Let me get over here, chapter number 8, I've got it written down. We have his prophetic right to the throne. What do we mean by that? We see him demonstrating his authority. When you read chapters 8, 9, and 10, it was one healing after another. This man touched a leper that was unheard of, and he healed him. He healed the centurion's son. He healed the daughter of Jairus. There was a lady who came who had a sickness of 12 years and touched the hem of his garment, and she was immediately healed. And it goes all through these chapters proving that this man had the absolute right to the throne of God. He had the right to be called the king of Israel. Now if you come back to Matthew chapter number 4, this is where I want to deal with. And I want you to notice some things that are taking place in this passage. But before we get to it, I want you to watch something. Again, by the Spirit of God, he was led up into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. 
I want you to take your Bibles and go to the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John, and I want us to go to chapter number 2. 1 John, chapter number 2, and I want you to see something in this passage. 1 John, chapter number 2. Please notice in verses 15 and 16. Again, I'm coming to a point. 1 John chapter number 2, look at verses 15 and 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now look at verse 16. I want you to notice a word. For all that is in the world. For, what's that word? All. Didn't say some, partial. It says for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Why am I mentioning that? Because we need to go back to the very first temptation in the Scriptures. Go back to the book of Genesis, chapter number 3. Preacher, you're all over the place. Stay with me. Genesis chapter number 3. The fall of man. I want to give you a surrounding here. There in the Garden of Eden, it is plush. It's got all sorts of trees. It has all sorts of fruits. They are well provided. Everything is given. But God had told them, now look, of all the trees, you may freely eat. But of the one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you may not eat, for in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. Sin and death came because of one man's transgression. Now, Genesis chapter number 3. In verse number 1, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said... Mark this down, please. In every temptation in your life, no matter what it is, no matter what comes before you, Satan will constantly try to get you to doubt God's Word. Mark that down. He will always try to get you to question God's Word. That's exactly what he did here. He told Eve, God's holding out on you. God has lied to you because the very day that you eat, you will become like God's. Well, that sounded pretty fancy to them. I want to remind you, we've got plush, plush, plush. All the trees, all the food, all the necessities, everything anybody could ask for. But of that one tree, Satan comes along and what does he do? He magnifies on the one tree and tells him how you've been cheated. Now I want you to look at verse number 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, there, I didn't do it, all right? <laughs> when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, there's the lust of the flesh. It's good for food. There is the lust of the flesh. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. There is the lust of the eyes. 
and a tree to be desired to make one wise. There is the pride of life. May I show something to you? And it may seem impossible, but no, it's true. These are the only three ways that Satan tempts people. Dr. Tom Malone was a pastor for many, many years. And he was kidding one night in a service, and he said, I only have three sermons. That's all I've got. But I've got 30,000 different titles. We laughed. We knew better. But can I say, please, Satan's only got three points. But he's got 30,000 different ways to approach it. Now stay with me. I'm coming to a point now. Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. I used to say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to punch Adam's lights out for what he did. Until one day in doctrines class, I learned of something that was called the federal headship view. It means what Adam and Eve did, Phil and Joanna would have done the same thing. They were only representatives of who we are and what we would have done. We're all guilty. I can't blame Adam. I would have done the same thing. So this is the idea. Sin and death now has come, and Satan holds the keys, and he holds the power, and he is called the prince and the power of the air. So now, with all of that, come back over to the book of Matthew. Excuse me, Matthew chapter number 4. May I say to you, please, Jesus coming into the wilderness, this is Eden all over again. Jesus had to come here. He had to face Satan. Where man lost, he won. Where man blew it, Jesus picked up all the pieces and he came out absolutely victorious. Wonderful thought that he came and did for us. But back up here just for a moment. Three years ago, Joanne and I had the privilege of going to Israel. It was our first time. I hope maybe someday the Lord will let me go back. But they took us to a place called Jericho. I would highly encourage you never to eat any of the food there. But anyway, they took us to Jericho. When, when we got off of the bus, the, the missionary that was with us, Brother Ken Myers, looked at me and he said, you see that big mountain over there? I said, yeah. They really believe that's where the temptation took place with Christ. It was absolutely barren. It was brown. It was wilderness. Adam and Eve was in a plush garden. Jesus came into a hot wilderness area. But that's not the only thing. He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. How many of you in here have ever fasted? When you're fasting, what's the number one thing that stays on your mind? Food. I get tired. I get nervous, cranky. Oh, it's a great thing. I, don't misunderstand me, but those are the things that are on my mind. Can you imagine Jesus fasting 40 days and 40 nights? Physically, he was weak. Jesus entered into this temptation in a wilderness area 
absolutely hungry, absolutely fatigued, weak in his physical body, and he still won the victory. Someone said before that Jesus began his ministry hungry and he ended it thirsty and still the victorious Son of God. But I want us to walk down through this portion and then I want to come to a point. Take a look at the first temptation. Notice please, Satan being who he is, crafty as he is, rotten as he is, came to Christ, he knew he was hungry, he said, if you are the Son of God, then command that these stones be made bread. Well, Jesus came back on him, and by the way, in all of his rebukes, they were all out of the book of Deuteronomy. Jesus looked at him, and he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. There he was hitting him with the lust of the flesh. But what was the temptation? And this is something we need to see. What was the temptation that came upon Christ? Satan is saying, look, you've got a need. You're hungry. Come on, take care of it. Help yourself. Act independent of God. You can be fed within a matter of moments. Just turn these stones into bread. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Folks, may I say please that Satan will constantly be tempting us to live independent of God, living very self-centered and trying to do our own thing. We need to have a healthy, growing, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ every day. Amen? How many of us try to act independent when we get into a You know what the biggest thing is? I'll figure it out. I, I can get, I'll take, somehow, some way, we'll work it out. No. Every man lives by the powerful, living word of God. Now it comes down to the second temptation. This one is the pride of life. Notice in verse 6. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus saith unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. What is the temptation here? Make God help you. Now let me say something here. Satan can quote this Bible from Genesis to Revelation. He knows how to use it, he knows how to twist it, and he knows how to pervert it to try to get you and me to fall in our Christian life. That's why it is important for us to know the Word, to stay in the Word, to walk by the Word, to understand the Word of God, to be in that fellowship with Him. Folks, I want you to watch this, please, and I, 
in, in the many years that I've been in the ministry, I have seen this happen. The idea is this, I will go until God stops me. That's one of the most dangerous things a child of God can do, to presume upon God. What is the answer for us? Know the will of God and stay with it. Are we not, according to the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know that perfect will of God. Now stay with me. Our brother got up. And he was talking about the missions. He knows the will of God for his life, what he's doing right now. John knows the will of God for his life. I know my will, not my will, his will for me right now. But folks, that's our calling. What about daily? Is it God's will for you to buy a certain car? Is it God's will for you to go to a certain place? It's not necessarily all that hard, but Lord, do you really want me doing this? Am I okay with this? Now, if I can put it very simplistic, when I was in Madisonville, Kentucky, I was um, teaching in a Christian school, and me being a, I love basketball. We've mentioned it before. We're not going into that tonight. Okay, I love basketball, and they took me along to all the basketball games, and I had to keep the clock, you know, and keep the arrows going, which direction is it going in, and I enjoyed that. But there was a man down in Kentucky by the name of Jay, loved him to death, great guy, he went home to be with the Lord here just a couple of years ago, but he normally drove the bus and would take us to the games. And uh, I got there that one night, and I said, where's Jay? And the pastor looked at me, and he goes, Jay just doesn't feel led like he's supposed to go tonight. And I thought, really? How come? I've learned over the years, when somebody feels that God is not leading them somewhere to keep your big nose out of it, be sensitive to what God wants. If we might want to go somewhere and you feel that trouble in your heart, God may be stopping you for a purpose. Know the will of God. Folks, we get out of the will of God by not knowing the will of God. This is not pushing God. I'll go till God stops me. It is knowing His will in every situation in our lives. Know the will of God. Now, if you come down to the third one, notice, please, in verse number 8. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. What's the temptation? Let Satan help you. Let Satan's crowd 
come in and help you. And by the way, I get a little trouble in this <laughs> over the miles. But folks, may I say to you, please, how much I appreciate your music here. I'm watching devil's music coming into churches that is so light and so frothy and does not feed. Warren Wearsby, before he died, was at a church in Lincoln, Nebraska. I heard him say this over the radio. He said, I can't get out and travel. He said, I'm debilitated. He said, I'm basically in a wheelchair. But he said, at our church, a number of 18-year-old people came to him and said, Dr. Wearsby, please encourage this church to stick with the hymns. Stay with the hymns. And he looked at him and said, okay, tell me why. They said they got meat. They've got blessed things that help us in our Christian lives. Now, folks, it's not just music. Right now, I'm watching things in my nation that's tearing me apart. I'm a red-blooded, right-wing, ultra, 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 ultra-conservative American. This is my country. And I'm watching it fall apart. But what's sad is how hard it is even now today to find fundamental churches that will stick with the Word of God, that will stick walking with God, that will keep going forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is becoming a point to where the churches are beginning to erode because they're letting Satan's crowd come in and affiliate. I may get in trouble for this. The last April, I was up in Massachusetts. The pastor of the church said, come on, I want to take you out and show you something. We got down in the middle of East Hampton, Massachusetts, and there was the church that Jonathan Edwards preached at. I looked at it, and I smiled until I saw that multicolored flag hanging in the door. Folks, we're falling apart. Thou shalt serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy might. Folks, may I encourage, and as much as I do is where I encourage where I pastor, stay close to God. Stay close to His Word. Keep going forward. Don't go to the right nor to the left, but stay close and keep following. Now, let me wind this down, and I want to bring you to something. Watch this, please. This was absolutely necessary for the Lord Jesus Christ to go through this because what was lost in the Garden of Eden was regained again in Matthew chapter number 4, Jesus in the wilderness. He came out absolutely victorious. He came out absolutely glorious and holy untainted by anything in this world, and this was the sinless sacrifice, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who was going to go to the cross. 
This had to take place first before there could be Calvary. There is a way back to God. It is found in the book of Genesis chapter number 4. There must be a sacrifice. There must be the death of a sacrifice. And there must be the shedding of blood. And it must be, according to Exodus chapter 12, a lamb without spot, without blemish. That is the Lord Jesus Christ to the T. He is the answer for all people who are dying and going to hell. Those who are living a life that is absolutely empty, life to them is meaningless. Jesus is the answer for all the world. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. But I want you to catch this, please. There's more. Diane and I were just back there talking. She, she was trying to remember how long she's been a Christian. She leaned over to me and said, how long have you been saved? I said, 48 years. And she was calculating around. She finally figured out it was 59 years. She's up on me. On the day that I got saved, and on the day, if you are a believer, that you got saved, the Lord Jesus came in. Indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Since Jesus came into my heart. You listen to me. You and I don't have to face temptation alone. John said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have a besetting sin. You have something that drags you down often. Could be an attitude. It could be an anger. It could be a meanness. It could be anything. You have a sinless powerful Savior who has all the power. It's like one pastor I heard say one time, if Satan comes knocking on your door, let Jesus answer it. He'll go away. You and I have a great Savior who is more powerful than Satan, more powerful than any temptation, any addiction, anything that we have. And it all proved right here in the book of Matthew, chapter number 4, when he overcame Satan with the Word of God. You and I have a great Savior, and we have a great joy of leaning upon Him when temptation comes. I found over the years that people don't like to talk about this. How many of you went last week without any sin? You're all laughing. That's the response I get. How many of you did not sin today? Nobody's raising their hands. Why? We don't like talking about this. Jesus does. He's there. And when the tempter comes again, we but merely lean upon him and say, Lord, I need you right now. I understand the writer that wrote the song. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. We have a Savior. We have a Redeemer. And we have a strong, sinless, spotless Lamb of God that stands for us in the time of temptation. Every head bowed, every eye closed, we come very quickly to a moment of invitation. 
you're here tonight, you have never been born again. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe online, those who are listening, you would have to say, no, I've never trusted Christ. He is that wonderful, sinless, spotless Lamb of God who went to the cross of Calvary and paid all of our sin debt. Not some, not part, but all. And he's the only answer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And if you do not know the Savior tonight, he went through all of this for you. And he's calling out to you tonight. Would you come? Would you call upon me and receive me as Savior? And child of God, if you do know him, Hebrews talks about it in chapter 12, how that we have weights and besetting sins and we struggle oftentimes with sin in our lives. We need a very intimate, intimate walk with Jesus Christ. When we cry help, He instantly steps in. You have a victory within you. Charles Spurgeon called it the monarch of our breast. And he's ready and willing to answer, to hear, and to do on your behalf what you and I cannot do on our own strength. Fathers, we come tonight. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be able to preach. And thank you, Father, for this passage of Scripture and how important it is. Lord, through your word and through your spirit, there may be some that have never placed their trust in Christ. Lord, may they see tonight what Jesus went through, what he proved, and what he did on the cross of Calvary. The sinless Lamb of God paying our debt. Lord, may there be those tonight who may call upon him. And Father, for those who are Christians, that they may see the wonderment of the indwelling Holy Spirit of God who not only enlightens us, but Father, defends, delivers, strengthens, and gives us exactly what we need. I pray, Father, that this message will not just stay here, but it will go home with us, that we'll search even more. And I thank you, Father, for this time. Guide now. And this we do pray and ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Pastor John. Let's all stand. We're going to sing together. 546, turn your eyes upon Jesus. 546, turn your eyes upon Jesus. If you need to uh, maybe come to the Lord and talk to him about a temptation that you're facing, let him show you how to... Get victory through Jesus. It's a big good time. If you want to talk to someone about uh, salvation, whatever it might be, we're here as we sing together. Five hundred forty.
Bill, appreciate that message. Brother Counterman, thank you, appreciate the uh, presentation. Make sure you go by the table and talk to the counterman about the ministry going on there, of course, fellowship with one another. As uh, my friend from South America would say, the night is still child, so don't worry about it. You may be having a child tonight, we hope, some of you, Miss Liz, that'd be great. She got up and went out to, went to the restroom, I went chasing after her, I'm like, you can't just leave the service, people are going to panic. She said, I've got to go to the restroom. <laughs> But anyway, so uh, welcome them to the church officially. You can uh, introduce yourselves. Uh, Bo Bonin Camper, am I saying that right? Bonin Camper is the last name. So Francis and Liz. So all right, anything else that's supposed to be announcing? The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, give you peace. You are dismissed. God bless you.